Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Free Lawyer Podcast. Wherever you are listening, if you enjoyed what I shared, please leave me a rating and review. I would appreciate hearing more about what you like best and what topics you might like me to cover in future episodes. If you are interested in experiencing a more fulfilling and a more successful life, please contact me at www.garymiles.net where you can schedule a free discovery call with me so I can learn more about you, your challenges, and your dreams. I appreciate each and every one of you and have a great rest of your day. Thanks to all of you for your support. If you or someone you know has a book of business and never seems to have any time to do anything, then I have something special for you. My good friend, Jennifer Gilman from Gilman Strategic Group will lead a free webinar for lawyers to explain how you can take control of your career and reclaim your life. It's live on November 15 at 1 p.m. Eastern. You can register at gilmanstrategicgroup.com backslash get a life. I hope to see you there. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of The Free Lawyer. And I'm so thrilled to bring to you today, Brooke Lively. Brooke is a financial advisor and um, fractional CFO to law firms. She's an international best-selling author of a book from Panic to Profit. And she's all about helping law firms become more educated, understand their finances, and to be more financially successful. So she'll be uh, have some great insights for us today. Brooks, thanks, thanks for coming on, Brooke. Thanks, Gary. So, Brooke, let's start. Tell me a little bit about your professional journey and your background and how you got to where you are today. Oh, well, it was totally accidental, like a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. um, I took the road less traveled, didn't know what I wanted to do when I graduated from college, so I floated through life, went back to grad school at 35, got an MBA in corporate finance and investments, and went to work for a hedge fund because that's what you're supposed to do, Right. Right. Didn't love it. Ended up running my father's law firm and hired and, and helped him grow. I, my father, my father, bless his heart, <laughs> liked to shed his law partners every seven to 10 years. I see. And he had shed his law partners and for the first time in like 30 years had lost the woman who was running his practice. Mm -hmm. And that was how I ended up running it. So we started a new firm. We spun it up to seven figures in about a year. Wow. And yeah. And so that was a fun ride. And I had hired someone to help us with sales and marketing. And his clients started coming to me and saying, can you do for us what you're doing for your family's firm? And that was when I really started to understand that lawyers don't run their businesses by the numbers. Right. Well, we're, we're told in law school how to argue and use words and be persuasive, but we're not trained to be business owners and to really understand the numbers. Right. And so, you know, I had a father who was actually pretty numbers driven for having been a history major. And my brother, who 
was also a partner, was a math physics double major. So he got the numbers thing. So we were very data driven. And I didn't realize that other firms weren't. And when I would say things like, we're going to raise prices 20%, and they would go, <gasps> I'm like, do we think one in five clients is going to leave? And they're like, well, no, not one in five. I was like, well, even if one in five leaves, we're going to make the same amount of money. Right. And you don't have to come to work on Fridays. Right. And make, like, make the same oh. money, work less hard is the worst case scenario of that, right? Yeah. Worst case scenario. And so they were like, huh. And so when I started explaining things like that, these other firms started coming to me and saying, can you do that for us? And that's that's how CathCap started. So tell me what CathCap is and, and what you do, how you support attorneys. So we are a group of CFOs and profitability strategists, and we we do exactly what I just said. We demystify the numbers. We explain what is happening in your law firm and help you get where you want to go. So we tend to work with law firm owners who aren't getting everything they want out of their business. They know it can do more. They've got bigger dreams. They've hit a ceiling and they, they know where they want to go, but they just don't know how to get there. You help them get unstuck. We help them get unstuck. We help them grow. We help them scale because there's a strategy to that. And, and we help them with that financial strategy. And how do you help them get unstuck? So we do it uh, two ways. So the, the first part is we give you a CFO. And if you think about a bus and, and everyone talks about this, you know, Jim Collins, and he talks about having the right people on the right bus in the right seat. So let, let's talk about your bus. And we're going to assume you've got the right people on the bus. There are a lot of financial people on that bus. And the first person you probably hired is your bookkeeper. And your bookkeeper is probably sitting somewhere like in the middle of the bus. And they're basically a court reporter typing in everything that's happening as it's happening. That's all they do. They're an in the moment, taking notes kind of person. Not, not a planner, not a strategist. They're they're uh, getting the work done, getting the bills paid, getting the fees posted. Yep. And they're just taking notes. They're in the moment. Second financial person you probably hire is your accountant. Your accountant, your tax accountant, isn't really even on your bus. They're kind of in the chase car behind the bus. Right. And they're they're looking at the reports going, oh, yeah, I see that pothole you hit. Yep. 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 Okay. Oh, and oh yeah. I see where you turned left. Okay, great. I'm going to document that and let the government know. Fine. Then there's what's called a controller and they're sitting in the back of the bus, looking out the back window, making sure that what the bookkeeper wrote down matches what actually happened. And then you've got the CFO and the CFO is standing in the front of the bus next to you, the owner who's driving, going, okay, here's this map that I've laid out. And we're going to go up here 2.3 miles, and then we're going to take a left. And the road's going to get really curvy. So we're going to have to slow down to 25 miles an hour. And then we're going to go through that curvy thing. And you're going to have to drive on the wrong side of the road here because there's a giant pothole. 
And then we're going to get stuck in a little bit of traffic. So we're going to take this detour. So they're doing the strategy of how to get you from A to B. And the way the CFO knows that strategy, the way they have mapped that out is that we also give our clients an analyst. And that analyst is digging through the data. They're going through your Clio or Filevine or whatever practice management system you're using. And they're pulling all this detailed data out so that we can analyze it and say, okay, what's the best way forward at this point? Do we do A or B? So instead of making a decision on gut instinct, and I'm not saying that that attorneys in general don't have great gut instincts. You're really not bad. But when you make a decision on gut instinct, you make it at two in the afternoon and then you're home having dinner with your family and you're second guessing it. Gary, do you identify with this at all? Sure. Well, and the trouble is we aren't really, we don't have the time. You're, you're the right. background, the training or experience to really be business planners. Um, maybe yeah. some have gotten courses and gotten educated and focused on it, but too many of us are lawyers. We handle cases and we don't have the time, the interest or the background to really do that sort of planning. Yeah. So when you have someone that, that can sit down with you and say, okay, we have option A and option B. Based on the data, we suggest option B. And I know you guys, you all like to know what eventualities there are. Like what happens if we do A? What happens if we do B? And having someone there going, well, if you do A, this might happen. If you do B, we think this is going to happen. We recommend B. You're much right. more comfortable making that decision. Right. So who are your ideal clients? Uh, I know they're law firms, but what size or type of law firm? Uh, generally, two, um, law firms that are doing between two and $30 million a year. Mm -hmm. um, they want to grow. They want more. Uh, they know they need help. Um, we are totally practice agnostic. Meaning, have, oh, you don't care what kind of practice? I don't care what kind of practice. We tend to work with firms that are niched down. Like we work with immigration firms or PI firms yes. or family law firms, as opposed to firms that practice what we call door law. You know, anything that comes through the door. So you... Um provide a fractional CFO and an analyst to your clients to help understand the data and then make recommendations about what financial strategies might be best for the firm. Yeah, where, and, and that comes out, we look at every part of the business that touches your numbers, which is every part of the business. So, you know, we look at the returns you're getting on your marketing. Is that marketing spend working or not? We can't fix your marketing, but we can sure tell you where to go look and talk to your marketing people about where the breakdown is. Mm -hmm. you what did, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, and, and it may be redoing the way we pay your people. Are their comp packages aligned with what you want your firm to achieve and what you want those employees to do? Gotcha. What is the most important data for a law firm to, to track or follow? I think there, there are about six categories, 
six parts of your law firm that you want to look at and you want to have like one good number. Um, some yes, of them are those categories. Important. Well, so I think the first one's cash, right? You can't cash is king. It's the oxygen for your firm. Yes. Um, and when we're talking about cash, the most important number or report is your cash flow forecast. How much cash are you going to have at the end of the week, every week for the next six to eight weeks? At a certain point, many firms will outgrow the need for this report because you'll have two, three, four months of operating reserves. And so you don't need to look at it on a, on a weekly basis. Um, but especially as you're growing, when you're smaller and if you're going through a big growth spurt, because growth eats cash, you have to know how much you're gonna have. Um, I think the next thing to look at is production. How much work is moving through your firm? And the, the key number there is your whip, your work in progress. Mm -hmm. Because this month's whip is next month's revenue. Right. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to bill it this month. So you need to know how much you've got. There's nothing better. And Gary, I know you've done this. You, you've looked at your whip. And it's that moment in the month where you know you've got enough whip. Right. To cover all of next month's bills. You've right. covered your nut and everything from that point on is going to be gravy. Yeah, we always know how many hours we work, what what our billing rates are, and, we, and that comes to a number. And we know what that number needs to be to cover, you know, next month's expenses. Yeah, you got to cover your nut. So work, so whip is important. Um, when you think about your firm, you think about marketing and sales. And the number we want to look at there is sales calls booked. Because most people know what their conversion rate is in a sales call. And this month's sales calls are next month's clients, which means the month after whip and revenue. Right. So how many sales calls do you have? Do you have sales calls coming in? And if you know that you've got sales calls booked, the next thing you want to look at is we talk about case management. And when we talk about case management, we're really talking about, you know, what's the average price, the average length of a case, how much pressure a case puts on your firm. And what we want to know here is net new cases. Explain to me what you mean. So how many cases are we opening? So we're going to pull some of that from sales, sales calls booked, right? We can right. kind of, if our sales calls booked is going up, we know that we're going to be opening more cases. And how many matters are we, are we closing? How many are wrapping up? So open minus closed gives us net new. Are we opening more than we're closing? If we're opening more than we're closing, then we're growing as a firm. Right, right. If we're closing more than we're opening, then we're shrinking and we definitely have a marketing problem. If we're opening more than we're closing, then we're either really growing or we have a production problem. Meaning we aren't closing out files efficiently and timely. They're lingering we're not too long. the work through. Right. So you've got to look at that. And, and what I really like about net new cases is if we are working cases efficiently, it will tell us when we need to hire 
because we know how many cases we can handle at any given time. And so you can start to see, all right, we're going to be full. If we keep adding six new cases a month, net new, then we're going to be full in five months, which means I need another attorney in five months. Who doesn't want to know five months in advance they need an attorney as opposed to two months after everyone's all stressed out? Brooke, I say with all humility and transparency, I managed my own firm for three decades and I had a gut about where we're growing or shrinking. I never analyzed net new cases and it makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, None of these numbers are complicated. Just something that I thought about kind of in an obscure way, but never really analyzed. And that sort of analysis can be so helpful. Yeah, it really is. Um, there are two more things that we look at that we think firms should look at. Um, one, and I'm, I'm going to use a word that nobody likes. I'm going to use the B word, budgets. You should have one, budget versus actual. You should look at that every month. Are we on track? What do we need to adjust? Are we over or are we under? Um, Aren't most law firms fairly consistent with I mean, I know I found there was great fluctuation in the revenue, but not so much fluctuation in our expenses. We kind of knew what they were, you know, our computer expenses, our information software, our staffing, we're all pretty consistent. At least that was my experience. But the, is that a problem in some firms that there's unexpected expenses or or expense categories that they don't hit very consistently? Um. So... I do want to talk about revenue fluctuating. Um, some firms do fluctuate in expenses. Sometimes it's great to be over on an expense. Let's say you're a trust and estate firm. If all of a sudden your office supplies go up and you're like, whoa, 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 what's that? And you go in and dig and you find out that you've been getting a lot, you, you bought a lot of binders last month. It might be because you got a lot of new clients. Right. Okay, that's good. Sometimes it just tells you what's going on. Sure. If all of sure. a sudden it drops, you may be like, whoa, 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 we missed. And and you might not have seen it somewhere else. Um, when your revenue fluctuates, whether it's up or down, it's always good to go in and say, what happened? What did we do differently? Why was it up? Why was it over what we predicted? Why was it under what we predicted? What did we do so well that we need to keep doing every month? And what did we not do? If we missed our revenue, was it because we didn't have the cases? Did we not have the work? Um, did someone not write down their hours? Did someone not know how to do the work? Did they not have what they needed? You know, was somebody's computer down for three weeks? we have people on vacation like what what was the cause if someone didn't know how to work do the work that's a teaching and training issue right right if we didn't have the cases that's a marketing issue which hopefully we've already seen because we're looking at things like sales calls booked and net new cases right but this is just one of those things where you get to sit down and say okay are we on track I bet most of your new clients don't actually have a budget. <laughs> they don't. And we don't call them budgets because we don't like the B word. Right. No one no one wants a budget. Right. No They're one. restrictive. They're awful. 
um, we have what we call profit plans. That sounds much better. Doesn't it? Sounds like, much better. This is, this is the plan for how we're going to spend money to make even more money. W was there a sixth um, key data point? There is. Um, and it's in, in the category of what we call ideal ratios. And we believe in running a law firm on the rule of thirds. One third goes to um, employee costs. One third goes to overhead. And one third goes to the key number we want to look at, um, which is owner compensation. Are you being, actually one third goes to profit. The key number we're looking for is owner compensation. Are you being properly compensated for the time, the effort, and the risk you're taking as the owner of this firm? Or are you basically working for the equivalent of $3 an hour? Right. And I bet a lot of your new clients are struggling with that last third of owner compensation. The, yeah. One of the other two numbers is out of whack. And it's usually the employee costs. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times we've had attorneys come in and they're like, yeah, I'm one of the lowest paid people in, in the firm. And that's sad with all the risk and all the time that that's the case. Yeah. Brooke, how do you help your clients to increase their profitability? So we look at all the different ways that they are spending and using their money. We look at ways to find more efficiency. Have we built the right team? Are we running um, work through in the most efficient way? Are we pushing work to the lowest paid, most qualified person? Have we built compensation plans that incentivize people to do the work that we want them to do? Have we built compensation plans that are profitable for us as the firm owners? You know, we can't pay an attorney $300,000 and have them only billing $400,000 a year, right? They, they, they have to bill at a minimum. If we're paying them 300,000, they're going to cost us 360000 with taxes and benefits. They have to bill at least three times that or we're never going to make our one-third, 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 right? So how do we do that? Um, is the marketing working? How do we need to redo, restructure the financing? You know, we had a client that we have been working on their financing. They were, it's a personal injury firm and they were stuck in a financing arrangement that they were in before we met them that was awful. And we have spent a couple of years getting them out of that. And we got them out of it this week. Good. Not funded. And I mean, let me tell you, our whole team of 20 has been dancing for joy this week about that. That's great. So. For the law partner who's listening, who's never really thought about this stuff, never really just, he works and he pays his bills and he pays his staff, but he's never done any of this analysis. What, what suggestions do you have for him or her? Well, there are a couple of things. Um, first of all, all of this is in my book. So from panic to profit, you can find it on Amazon. It's written specifically for attorneys. It's a great resource to, to go do this and, and to help you figure out how to do it on your own. 
Um, you can also go to our website at CAFCAP, C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. And Gary, if it's okay with you, I would love to um, let your guests, we have a thing called the Profit Finder mm -hmm. that goes through, and if you put the numbers in, you're going to need your, your profit and loss statement. You're going to need your P&L for the year. Um, it, but if you go in and you put all of the information in, it will tell you where you're overspending and where you're underspending. And I'd love to make that available to your listeners. Absolutely. If you could send me a link, I'll put that in the show notes. And we'll do that. And I'll check it out. What has been what has been your experience with the clients you've taken on and, and how has it affected their profitability? I think they're, they're, first of all, I want to define profit. Profit is different for everybody. Profit isn't just about money. Profit is also time. It is, it, it, it's peace of mind. I had a, I had a husband of a former client call me at one point and he's like, you got to start working with Maria again. And he ha had also been a client at one point. I'm like, okay, fine. Like what's going on? He's like, she's waking me up at 3 a.m. and talking about the business and I can't handle this. Right. So well, it, it helps so much to have someone or a team who's knowledgeable, insightful, and strategic to allow us to do what we do best, which is work and bring in the revenue and manage the staff. And, and so many of us don't have that. Um, you know, I, we, we have a great bookkeeper. We've had different CPA firms and the CPA firms would send us profit and loss statements or whatever schedule we paid for and do our tax returns. But I don't remember them once calling and saying, there's this red flag I want to highlight for you. And we need to figure out what to do about that. Um, yeah. we, we never got that analysis and insight. And to me, that would have been a very worthwhile service to pay for for me because there were so many nights i woke up like maria worried and and confused and lacking clarity about what to do because it's not my area of expertise no and in what what frustrates me is y'all are all smart enough to figure it out but frankly it's a waste of time and energy for you to go out and get educated on this. Right. We've got better things to do. And so hiring someone to help you to do a little bit of education, but also just to take the burden off of you. Right. Is so much more efficient. That, that's and always been my philosophy in life. There are things I'm good at, but if I need to paint my house, me spending time painting my house doesn't make sense. Hire someone who's really good at it and does it quickly and efficiently. Right. Not to analogize what you do to being a house painter, but the same principle holds true. You're an expert at what you do. I'm not. So why not engage you to, to do for me what I'm not really able to do for myself? Absolutely. Um, along the same lines, I made a cake this weekend and I made the most gorgeous, I cannot believe I did this, the most gorgeous flowers out of icing. And I sent the picture to everybody and my mother's like, oh, a second career. You could do this. I'm like, mother, no one's going to buy my cake at my billable rate. That's a $3,000 cake. 
It was fun once. It was fun. That is not an efficient use of my time. I need to pay a professional who can get it done much faster and much cheaper. Brooke, I love those six key data points that you shared. And, and I suspect there are not many law firms who really spend much time, you know, analyzing those and coming up with a strategy. And, and they not only show what's working, but they may show the areas where we're lacking. Maybe our marketing isn't good enough. Maybe we're not efficient enough, whatever, you know, whatever. Maybe one attorney isn't billing enough, whatever it might be. And I think that's, I think that's great. What do you find most fulfilling professionally, Brooke? You know, really, it's that moment when I'm working with a client and I see that light bulb go on and something clicks and I know that they're going to make some kind of shift or change in their business and that it's going to get better, that they're going to make more money, that we have relieved a stress point, that work is going to move better, that we've solved a problem, like whatever it is, it's that moment of relief that I can see. And I know that it's going to be lasting. And I know it's not only better for the owner, but it's better for their employees and it's better for their family. You know, that, that's one of the things I found most gratifying about running my firm was knowing I had some really incredible people who worked for me and who had a nice job and who were happy. And, and, you know, we had a downtime and when we had a certain segment of business that was affected by the real estate market and we had to let people go. And that pained me to have to do that because I loved the fact that we could give folks positions that they really enjoyed. And that yeah. is another pleasure in running a law firm and you run it successfully. You're employing people who love working for you. And that can be very gratifying. They're part of your family. And so if, if we can improve their lives, if, if we can create a great environment where they love to come to work, where they are fairly compensated for the work they do, and they're doing work that, that is fulfilling, that they enjoy. Right. And that's, you know, I'm going to say this, that's making the world a better place. Right. Because as attorneys, we are solving problems for people. Yeah, some lawyers look at themselves as being fighters and litigators. I look at myself as being a paid problem solver. Someone comes to me with a, a, a problem and I help find a solution that works for them. And I imagine one thing you find very fulfilling is helping Maria sleep at night, helping all the Marias who you um, serve sleep better at night, knowing that things are in good order, that they have someone they can ask a question to if they're confused. That must be very fulfilling as well. It is. Um I, I, I love that. I love, I, I, when I first started this and, and I still feel it today, I was amazed at how frustrated the attorneys I met were and how much they were suffering in silence. So I had a, had a client one time that needed to get a loan. His firm was growing incredibly quickly. That sucks up all available cash. And then it starts sucking up cash you don't have. And he really needed a loan. So we prepped a loan package. He went and met with the loan committee. I wasn't with him. He comes back in a panic. I mean, just going off. And this is the nicest, kindest man you have ever met. So calm generally. And he was worked up. So he took a breath at one point and I finally got a word in. I'm like, Scott, what happened? Because he was paying. He was like, I'm never going to get this loan. No, 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 no. 
He's like, they asked for my pro formas. And he goes off again and he finally took another breath. I'm like, stop. You know that budget we have? He's like, yeah. I'm like, that's what they want to see. And there was a moment of silence. And then he went off again about why are they using these words and blah, blah, blah. So I was telling that story to a banker. And um, he was like, well, why didn't that guy just ask what pro formas were? And I'm like, if he was sitting in your loan committee and he said, you know, I need a $2 million loan. What's a pro forma? Would you have loaned him money? And the banker was like, well, well, no. <laughs> That's why he didn't ask. And there are so many attorneys that are in those kinds of situations all the time where they feel like they can't raise their hand and ask the questions. So they're suffering in silence, in isolation. And, and that's where you come in because you can answer their questions. You can help them understand. I found in every field, my wife is a director of nursing and she'll use all these big words for a concept that's fairly simple. Um, and everybody has their own vocabulary. You can not only provide the vocabulary, but the insights and the strategies that we all need. Brooke, I call this podcast The Free Lawyer because to me, it's all about how we can find personal freedom in a very challenging field. Brooke, what does true personal freedom mean to you? I think it is the ability to work with clients I love, doing work that is fulfilling, and being able to do it when and where I want. So my company is virtual. We have been from day one. So long before the pandemic, um, so I, I travel around the country. I'm, I'm really lucky that I've got some great friends and my family has, you know, houses in different places. So I, I move locations and That's I love beautiful that. to have that flexibility, isn't it? Yeah. So briefly, uh, tell the audience, uh, what from panic to profit is and how they can get a copy. So from panic to profit, um, is a book that looks at those six key numbers that I talked about and how you can implement them in your firm to give you a better idea of what's happening, to be able to be more proactive in your firm instead of being so reactive, to be able to run on data as opposed to gut instinct. And I thought it was so interesting when you were talking about your wife and the fact that she uses these big fancy words. When I wrote this book, I, I wrote it in what I call kitchen table English, Good. which is, which is what I use every day. And it's what my team uses. Right. I don't use the word pro forma. No one, no one's going to know what that is. Right. I say your budget. Right. Or your profit plan. Or your profit plan. Like you. I, I do have to teach clients what a profit plan is. <laughs> and they, they, they pick that one up pretty fast. Brooke, so for any of our listeners who'd like to learn more about what your company does and how you can support them and helping them to be more profitable, how can they best get in touch with you? I think the best way is our website, cathcap.com, C-A-T-H-C-A-P.com. Very good. Brooke, thank you so much for joining us today. Your, your insights are really invaluable to our audience. And I think it's wonderful the service you provide to your law firms and your clients. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Gary.
And for all you listeners, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate each and every one of you. And as always, please be well, be safe, and be free. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Free Lawyer Podcast. Wherever you are listening, if you enjoyed what I shared, please leave me a rating and review. I would appreciate hearing more about what you like best and what topics you might like me to cover in future episodes. If you are interested in experiencing a more fulfilling and a more successful life, please contact me at www.garymiles.net where you can schedule a free discovery call with me so I can learn more about you, your challenges, and your dreams. I appreciate each and every one of you and have a great rest of your day. Thanks to all of you for your support.